Well, I want to go right into the Word, so let's go to Matthew chapter 4. I've been teaching on Friday nights about Jesus' miracle-working tendencies, and uh, I want to show you the, the Jesus pattern for life and ministry. And it's in chapter 4, verse 23 through 25. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease. Now there's a threefold point here that I want you to see. Jesus went about teaching, proclaiming or preaching, and healing. Everybody say teaching, preaching, and healing. So in fact, the cure for unbelief in Mark chapter six was he went about the village's teaching. Good teaching, stabilizes us. Correct biblical interpretation will lend itself to biblical results. And Jesus went out teaching, preaching, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every sickness among the people, every kind of sickness. The news about him spread throughout all of Syria and they brought to him all who were ill those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So this was Jesus' earthly ministry. And then in fact, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you spill right over into the, into the Acts of the Apostles or the book of Acts, then you see the pattern continue. You see at the end of Matthew or the end of Mark, you see the great commandments and the great commissions. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And he said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Now, right away, I want you to turn to a marvelous verse, Acts chapter 10, and this is is uh, Peter preaching in Acts chapter 10, and it's so good because Peter has had a, an epiphany, a revelation as a Jewish man that, that this gospel is spilling over to the non-Jews, that new things are happening, that there's now uh, the, the dividing wall has been broken down and that the gospel, the good news, is becoming available not only to the Jewish followers of Judaism and the law, Moses and David and so forth, but now Roman pagans, idolaters are getting a shot at and an invitation to the kingdom of God. And Peter had a dream on the roof. He was doing pushback. He was, he was feeling awkward because he felt like he was violating his conscience interacting with the Gentiles, but God gave him a revelation. And simultaneously, you should read all of Acts chapter 10, because Cornelius the centurion was being prompted by God to go meet Peter. So it was like the Great Commission in reverse. Peter was stuck and he was actually up on a roof. He had fallen into a trance and he was having a dream. The Lord was speaking to him and he showed him all kinds of different uh, animals that many of which were unclean. They were not uh, allowed in the Levitical law for, for their dietary rules. And he was saying, you can, don't call that which is holy common. 
You, you ought to study the verse because it really, it really drives the point home. There are lots of verses in this chapter, but where Peter has this revelation, Cornelius goes to his house along with a whole bunch of other Gentiles and they get, uh, Cornelius went, he, he went to the, Simon the Tanner's house where Peter was staying and uh, yeah, he sent them to the, yeah. Yeah, see, I, sh I told you you should read the chapter. I should too. <laughs> Good thing I have a lady who has been reading the chapter. I've actually read this several times, but re recently even. But it's done leaked out. That's why we need to keep going back to the word. <laughs> the bottom line is the Gentiles experience salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then it says here in verse 34, that was my pathetic introduction to my point there. But anyway, uh, you can, you're following me. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is, is not one to show partiality. King James says, no respecter of persons. And what this means is God loves everybody. And this is the revelation Peter just realized. This Roman soldier just got the same salvation that I got, and it's available to people of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect, both genders, all ages, for the generations. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to, his son, to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. So he's reiterating with these people, you guys know the fantastic miracles in the three-year ministry of Jesus. And uh, he said uh, that in verse 38, he said, and you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and now he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Wow, that's such a great verse. Such a great point that I want to get over to you. We've got to get to know and familiarize ourselves with the pattern of Jesus so that we can actually replicate it and walk in it. As he is, so are we in this world. And actually, in fact, he's called us to go forth. And in, in Mark chapter 16, he said, preach the gospel to all the, all the nations. And then he said, these signs have, will follow those who believe. So... You know, we've got to understand and see the pattern of Jesus teaching in the villages about the kingdom of God, preaching and healing. Amen. Everybody say teaching, preaching and healing. So God's called us to explain. He's also called us to proclaim. And he's then uh, wanting us to be available to the Holy Spirit for attesting signs, wonders and miracles. And God is being results oriented that he is. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us. And he's given to us, he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And I want to land on this for a little while. I want, I want to show you Jesus and what he embodies, what he represents, why he did what he did. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the evil one. And again, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And, you know, C.S. Lewis points out that Christianity is where God actually takes the sins of the world upon himself and dies for us. There's no greater love. And so we, I'm a Jesus follower, 
uh, for many reasons, and not the least of which is this, that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. They brought paralytics to him. They brought people that were demon-possessed, and they got set free. And this ought to inspire our hearts in 2020, for there are many diseases. There is much brokenheartedness. There are demonic influences that are trying to bear down on people's lives. And it's just not good. It's just not right. And while we're here alive on this earth, we must teach, proclaim the kingdom of God, and trust God for uh, results. Believe God for the miraculous. Always be available. Make yourself available to this great, big, beautiful, wonderful God that is actually in you and is desirous to do interesting things through you. Um, God wants to do things through you through the course of your life. And God wants to, has actually designed you and created you for good works. He's actually created you for uh, exploits. Amen. The people who know their God, Daniel 11:32, will be strong and will do exploits. Man, I started to hear this when I was a young Christian. And uh, I just hadn't had enough time to get overwhelmed with unbelief. And I launched out in faith. And uh, before somebody could start talking me out of it, I started to see great results. I would share the gospel with people, and lo and behold, they would listen. They would debate me, and God would give me solutions. We were talking about how God would give us answers to questions that we would we'd go away and go, how do we, how do we answer that? And, uh, you know, my son was away at college, and he, he, he texted me or called me one day and said, Dad, I was talking to a guy, and, God, and I had scriptures come out of me that I didn't even know were in me. And, uh, and I was really, you know, that was gratifying to me, you know, having sent him away to school. And to find that out is good news. And I believe God has actually sent us and deployed us to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, and to have interesting things uh, transpire where we see wow look look what the Lord has done you know and and really kind of be enriched with this and stirred by this we you know of Jesus of Nazareth Peter said and they did you know this this audience was astute in the law and they were aware of the earthly ministry of Jesus so he was he was saying I got a revelation man God is trying to spill this out not only amongst us Jews but to the non-Jews. This is radical for this group, this people group, this God's chosen people, that the, the chosenness was spreading out. And they were like, okay. And he said, now I realize God doesn't show partiality. And uh, the, you know, this is, to me, a marker worth repeating. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Let's look at it again. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's the key. When we know that God is in us, God is with us, God is for us, not against us, it's very, very, very motivating. And then Jesus' pattern was teaching, preaching, healing. And man, I'm inspired by this. And I'm also inspired by Matthew chapter 8. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8 because I want to show you what had happened to this other centurion. And it starts out actually with Jesus coming down off the mountain and uh, large crowds were following him. 
And a man with leprosy came to him in verse 2 and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he asked the question, is it your will to heal? Jesus answers, stretching out his hand and touching him, he says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. How about a big day for the man with leprosy? And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And uh, he was trying to calm down some of these testimonies because it caused so many big giant crowds, it caused problems for Jesus to minister. So he was telling him not to tell anybody. And of course, these guys went and did it, you know. Then he tells Peter to go into all the world and he's hanging out on the roof sleeping. So anyway, it just shows how merciful and tolerant and interesting God is. God's good. He, that, he just, that he deals with us humans is just a wonderful, aren't you glad he's, he's good? He's good. Well, Jesus entered into Capernaum, which is a, a town on the edge, hugging the edge of Galilee. And a centurion came to him, imploring him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, well, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But, and look at this, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another one, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Now, don't let that blow over your head. This was a moment of such clear, distinct definition about what God is looking for, that this centurion realizes that Jesus is about the Father's business. He's not just out winging it, he has authority. He said, I'm a, I too am a man under authority. And I speak to my soldiers and they go. And, then, and he said, I see that you're operating with authority and I just all I need you to do is just speak the word. And another gospel, it elaborates on this from another perspective. And there was an introduction, not only this initial contact from the centurion, but other people spoke up on behalf of the centurion in another gospel. And they also said, by the way, this guy is worthy because he gave from his own finances to build a synagogue for us Jews. He has a compassion, even though he's an, it's, it's occupied army and they're dominating us. And, and in some ways there are oppressors. In this case, this individual at his own expense built a synagogue for us. So they were saying to Jesus, he's worthy. But he was so humble, he said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not basing it on that. I'm not trying to come in and say, by the way, I, you know, I, I paid for y'all to have a, a synagogue, so I think you ought to, as a rabbi, come to my house and give me a house visit. He didn't even move in that. So there's a lot to be said about the content of these verses and the, the, these centurions. And by the way, these centurions were the oppressors of Israel. And Cornelius, they were leaders over 80 they had to be in their 30s or older. They had to have been in wartime. They had to be literate so they can read and give instruction. And they're very interesting guys. And they were in, from the Roman Empire, very harsh. You could see a new rise of the Roman Empire and you could feel its harshness. 
it's happening again, this, this humanistic uh, dynamic. You could feel its harshness starting to brew again. It was very strong then. It's coming up again. It will happen that way in the end. But yet, nevertheless, there are individuals that God wants to lead into his kingdom and reach out to with, with his heart of love. And so here we are. We see this. We see this example where this guy says, man, just say the word. Everybody say, say the word. Now, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And they brought paralytics, demoniacs, and so forth, epileptics, people with all kinds of diseases, the cancer of its time, the heart conditions of the time, whatever the profile of disease was. Leprosy was a big deal then, um, various viruses, I'm sure. And he healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Who's glad for that? Every man, every woman, every kid, God is the one that, doesn't show partiality and that God is infinitely good and that Jesus, just the fact that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him and just the example of Matthew chapter 8 where the leper says, hey, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the way Jesus answered his, and that was social distancing big time. That was a big, he was called an untouchable. They were banished from society. I don't know how he, I think he heard there was, there was healing happening and they, he just broke through just to try to get help. Yeah. We're going to see some desperate cries from the hearts of the, of the lost and the wounded. And I think we need to understand the Jesus that we're following went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And then he said, these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. And he said, it's good, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And with these uh, responsibilities, God is more than enough to come in and confirm his word with the testing signs, wonders, and miracles. He watches over his word to perform it. It says in Jeremiah 1.12, in Joel, it says, strong is he who carries out his word. And so the centurion, when he said, say the word, and Jesus at Lazarus' tomb, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, it says in Proverbs 18, 21. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's something important that we need to get a hold of. This is why Jesus' pattern was teaching, preaching, and healing. Before there was healing, there had to be articulation of God's will. They had to come to know that. They had to come to understand it. In fact, even the centurion, you know, he saw that. He got the benefit of, I guess, being in the context, watching the leper get healed. And he said, man, I, I've got to serve it. And it also, by the way, shows how important compassion is. Because Jesus, in fact, is moved with compassion. What moves you? What's moving you today? There's so much movement on the earth right now. There's so much movement in, the, movement in the United States right now that it's intense. But what will move you? What will move me? What should move us? We're to let the love of Christ constrain and control, of it, control us and be moved with compassion and not let the devil cauterize the tenderness of your heart. Don't let the burn, carnage, hot meanness of the world Get the vital recesses of your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because from it flow the issues of life. You know, his word is, is health to all our bodies. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. In Luke 6, 45, it said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it would be good for us, according to Colossians 3, 16, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we could teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. What does that mean? Man, let there be a joyful tune on the inside of you as, you as you amass the truths of the word of God. Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately, rightly dividing the word of God. It took, there, it took people like Wycliffe and Jan Hus and people like that, if you study history, their lives to keep the word flowing throughout society. God has done something great by keeping the word front and center. And be, to be in a country where we get to have the scriptures, we could go to any store and buy the Bible, and we could get in the word and study and, have, and actually ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and show us from Genesis to Revelation what's going on here. So we can understand the law and the prophets and the poet, books of poetry, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and so forth. The amazing prophetic words. We go and spill into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see the showcase of the lavishness of the miraculous. The first miracle in the New Testament was the virgin birth, and then it just continues from there. Miracles, signs, wonders, and uh, the, it's replete with it. It's, it's spilling off of the pages, and it, God wants to take Acts, the book of Acts and continue these things in our lifetime. He, he wants us to understand that he's still stretching out his hands and touching the leper's head. He's still saying the word over a, over a servant. In fact, if you read in Matthew, the servant was healed. He said, go and it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And there's something really, really important about this. And so 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we believe and therefore we speak. You know, you pack what you pack and put on your hard drive is gonna come out. You download the, the software of God's word into your hard drive and it's gonna come out. And as we meditate on this, it reminds me, let's go to Ephesians chapter four and Colossians chapter four, back in, toward the end of the New Testament. Colossians chapter four, verse six says it this way. It says, we're to conduct ourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And verse six says, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. That's a powerful verse, that we, we ought to have our speech seasoned with salt, with grace, with the saltiness of grace. What is grace? It's mercy, it's favor, it's kindness, it's a manner that is the opposite of Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks rashly as the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There's one who speaks rashly as the thrust of a sword. I grew up with that harsh scenario when I was a child. Somebody would get a little drunk, talk mean to me, sit me down for hours, talk mean to me. I didn't have the emotional capacity as a four, five, six, seven-year-old to know how to deal with it. And I suppose I'm still dealing with it to this day. 
I talked to another man, Reinhard Bonnke. He went through some similar situations, different but same as. It was amazing. We had this conversation in Africa over meal after meal. He said, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that at this time in our lives we found each other. We had similar woundedness. You know, and I used to hear that, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Are you kidding me? That was said by somebody who never heard harsh words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It could pack a ridiculous sting. I mean, honeybees are one thing, where one sting and they're out. How about these wasps? Particularly these ones, these new ones that they found from, uh, from mur- murder, murder wasps. They found like a nest of them up in Portland, Oregon or something and killed them off or something. But they're like the size of hummingbirds or something. That's all we need, you know? As if 2020 wasn't enough, you know? Now it's like killer hornets? Well, how did they get here? Or wasps or whatever they're called. I mean, they're, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know... Put my barbecue grill down now and drop it off. Quit flying off with my barbecue. You know, that's just freaky. That's worse than sci-fi. But I'll tell you what's worse than sci-fi. The harsh climate of hostility and venom. Harsh words. There's one who speaks rashly, like the thrust of a sword. But the tongue of the wise, I repeat, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Jesus went about doing good. He said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him, empowered him, imparted something into him, energized him, equipped him with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. There's a miracle in your mouth. There's a potential in the thought processes and the verbiage and the articulation of your speech. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we, you and I hold potential to either bless God and curse man or bless and not curse. He, he, J- James chapter 3 said, my brethren, these things ought not to be. With your mouth you bless and praise God, and with your mouth you curse men. You, these things ought not be. It is so rampant right now. It, it, the harshness and the rashness and the hostility has gotten up to a, such a grade that it's imperative that believers, Jesus' followers, get a grasp on the power of the tongue and understand its, its position in life, and then we proceed in an intentional deliberateness, teaching, preaching, and healing. Say that, teaching, preaching, and healing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 25. Jesus taught in the villages, preached, proclaimed the kingdom of God, and healed all manner of sickness and disease. So, here we see Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be be with grace as though seasoned with salt. Why? So that you will know how you should respond to each person. You stay filled up with the word. You stay in love with Jesus. You stay in the scriptures. Meditate and read the Bible. Come to a meeting like this. Listen to a download. Listen to a podcast. Listen to a sermon. You know, you just continue in it. No matter what they say, if they say we're going to be socially distanced, I just got, got in touch with Pastor Dreton in Kosovo. They've gotten more restrictive. A pastor friend in Illinois, they've gotten more restrictive. Whatever, however we roll, the word of God is not imprisoned. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
And we'll, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So this is, in fact, what we must major on. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And what I'm trying to unpack here is that the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I just am just trying to tell you the Jesus pattern, teaching, preaching, and healing, he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, gives us this awareness that, oh, God wants us to do something about the depression in the people we run into. God wants us to do something about what we see on the news cycle in terms of prayer. God wants us to share and communicate hope while as long as we're alive on this earth, that God has called us to carry something to the people. And in fact, look at this. If Ephesians 4.29 is fabulous. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That's not just cussing. We know the basic foul words that we shouldn't say, but it's no unwholesome word. And the literal Greek could be no rotten word, which we shouldn't let rotten words proceed from our mouths, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment constructive, supportive, faith-filled, healing in its orientation, Jesus reflecting, that it's going to trace, people are going to trace back to what, what makes that man or woman or child tick? It's Jesus. And then it's going to make them have a hunger for the wholesomeness of uh, who we're serving. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So we should let wholesome words proceed from our mouths, which are good for edification. What is edification? That means to build people up according to the need of the moment. Now, you and I don't really know what's going on in people's lives at any given moment. Sometimes they'll tell us, sometimes maybe we'll have somebody tell us, but God always knows. And if we'll, listen, if we'll be led by the Holy Spirit, and we sign into this. I'm not going to let unwholesome words proceed from my mouth. But what I am going to do is have my speech seasoned with salt and make myself available to the Holy Spirit just in case he might want to use me. But guess what? I'm up here telling you one more day, one more time, that he does want to use you. He does want to answer your prayers. He does want to manifest himself through you. And even in an increase and greater way. You want to see more miracles? Believe God for more miracles. Get yourself out there. You, you want to experience, we sing, God, we, I want more of you. You want to know how to find God? He's near the brokenhearted. So be willing to get out in the fray with lost and broken humanity, and you'll find a greater anointing and greater empowerment in your life than you've ever imagined. I have watched the Lord pull me out of an emotional ditch, tap me out when I was not at my most spiritual um, when I was least expecting it, but because he was prompting me I'd, and I'd act on it, I would see this great result. And he and I would know where the help came from. And I would drive and I'd have a talk with him about it. God, that was awesome. I was undeserved. That was amazing. I love hanging out with you because you are so amazing. You do things. He's actually enthusiastic toward people. That's what Peter found when he was on the roof. God was enthusiastic toward Cornelius the centurion. God even said, man, these guys, this guy's prayers are, and alms are important to me. 
and he wasn't even saved. But God was cheering him on, and he sent an angel to him, and the guy got freaked out. He was like panicked over it. He's like, calm down, man. It's okay. It just shows how enthusiastic God is toward people. God's enthusiastic toward sinners. God's enthusiastic toward you right now, and he wants us to be enthusiastic. And the actual word enthusiastic, entheos, is God in you or being possessed by God. And that enthusiasm is not predicated on what kind of personality we have. I've had God, because God was, see, listen, he said, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The same thing happened to Paul the apostle. God was with him to such a degree that in Acts chapter 19, extraordinary miracles happened through him, where his aprons and his, his, his handkerchiefs would They'd take them, his disciples would run and put them on people that had demons or were sick and they would get healed. That's radical. I love that. It's like, wow, did you know that happened? Wow. And so it was an extraordinary miracle that Luke had written about in Acts. And I bet Paul scratched his head. What? Wow, that's cool. The anointing stayed in my apron and in my uh, handkerchief. What a trip. That just shows how God wants to engage in the most seemingly basic elements of our existence. And that God is, God is wanting to actually integrate and connect. Do you hear that? He's not weak toward us. He's mighty in us. He's looking to and fro throughout the earth to find people who will yield to him. It's amazing. I think about that Pastor Laszlo Tokas. He was Romanian. And he was in the Eastern Bloc nations where they outlawed church. He was a dynamic young leader and the church would grow, living things grow. And then the state would make him move and then he'd have to start, start all over again. Well, his wife was pregnant and um, they heard a report that they, were gonna, they sent people to go kill him. And so, and pastors loved this. There were about 100 people in the church. They all stood around in locked arms and to protect he and his pregnant wife. Pastors love that. And Laszlo Tokas was a man of prayer. And Peter Jennings, who's since passed, ABC News, for the person of the week, acknowledged the prayers of Pastor Laszlo Tokas and his little church as being the focal point that precipitated the bringing down of the Berlin Wall. And I, I don't know what's more miraculous, that the Berlin Wall came down or that a secular journalist acknowledged that a pastor and a prayer group prayed and it changed human history. Which is more miraculous? Both? Which is miraculous? more miraculous that Peter, the hard-boiled Jewish fisherman that's very biased, that you could see even had to battle that bias again. It kept cropping up. Paul had to rebuke him to his face over it about his attitude toward the Gentiles. He was being hypocritical about it. He was hard, in other words, it was hard for him to grasp just how completely enthusiastic God was being to spilling out over all the nations, not just one particular isolated group, but it was spreading out to everybody. But he got it. He got it. Look at somebody next to you and say, he got it. Look at somebody else and say, are you getting it? Look at somebody else and say, I'm getting it. Then ask him now, getting what? 
Getting the fact that what God does to us, he wants to do through us. And basically, here's how I want to get this finished with you in a practical level. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be seasoned with salt, be filled with grace, so that you may know how to respond to everybody. So stay tuned up and stay dialed in because you are definitely uh, an ambassador for Christ. You are definitely called for signs and wonders. You are definitely called to something bigger than you've seen or you've known so far. And man, you are brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. There's one who speaks rashly as the thrust of a sword. Nevertheless, the tongue of the wise will bring healing. The tongue of the wise, where you get wisdom from the word, it'll help you not to let unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Somebody, you may walk across, across somebody's path, and you just don't know what they're going through, but the Holy Spirit does. And if you'll yield to the Holy Spirit, and I'm not talking about conjuring something up. I'm not talking about prophetic contrivance. I'm not talking about quivering and doing all kinds of genuflecting. I'm talking about yielding to the Holy Spirit in blue jeans, at work, in the flow, believing God for supernatural things. What I just said is so important. You just gotta let this absorb because there are people attached to this. So much hopelessness that needs to be offset right now. There's such a heightened anxiety and concern in some pockets in people's lives that it'd be good for us to be always trying to figure out a word that's good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away with you, from you along with all malice. There is so much maliciousness. But in Titus chapter three, verse two, in the King James, it says, malign no one. The New American says, speak evil of no man. Yeah. I had some friends in a band they told me that they were over, I think it was in Japan, where there's that temple that has see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, those three monkeys, you know. And uh, they went, and uh, it was uh, Justo Amario and, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, bass player uh, Abraham Laboriel Sr. and uh, Greg Matheson. Who, who said Abraham Laboriel? Thank you, Taylor. You get an A+. Plus. And uh, they, they, they had a gig in Japan. I, it was in Japan. And they went there to this temple to see, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And uh, which will preach, you know, because we've got to keep our eyes on him. We've got to watch what we listen to. We've got to be careful what we say. And uh, they told me that they lost time and they, they had to run and they were all out of shape and they were running as hard as they could to catch the train to get to the gig. And I thought that was funny. Had nothing to do with my message, but... See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I just know guys that actually went to the place where the original monkeys were carved or whatever. Funny, isn't it? I think so. And my wife has given me a courtesy laugh. I'm not even hearing anything from my kids. They're smiling. Only such a word is as good for edification. How about that? There's one who speaks rashly as the thrust of a sword. You've seen the sarcasm. You've seen the snideness. You've seen the haughtiness. You've seen the damage that it can do. Yeah. I mean, there are people that are suffering from words yeah. 
But also, I got saved by somebody telling me the gospel. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There's something profound. This is the word of faith which we preach. And this is, in fact, how I want to finish this. That's what the centurion said to Jesus. Just say the word. So I want to encourage you for your homework. Take what you've heard tonight and begin to minister healing to people. If you hear somebody has COVID-19, speak healing in their direction. If they're, you know, if they have other issues and they're really, I mean, it's bad, man, come against the enemy and believe God, they'll give a, get a life extension, right? Don't just, don't just get passive and go, well, you never know, I would hate to be you, you know? That, that's just not edifying. Roll up your spiritual sleeves and pray, man. You just saw how scriptural it is. The leper even said, now, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And he said, I am. So it's like there's a big, humongous, it's God's will to heal. And some people will contest this theologically and argue, well, yeah, but yeah, but, but listen, this is pretty emphatic, man. All throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all throughout the book of Acts, and so let's all stand up on our feet and let's just pray a prayer of faith before we go. And I'm gonna believe God for breakthrough in your life. But I'm believing God, he's, he's gonna use you. How many of you would like to be used by the Lord to help somebody out? Let me see. Lift up your other hand. Say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Stir up the gift in me. Make me aware sensitize me to the leadership and voice of your Holy Spirit. Harden me to difficulty. Help me to have a compassionate heart, a listening ear, and a willing attitude to be spirit-taught, spirit-led. And God, I really want to see signs and wonders. I want to see results. I want to see the hurting healed. I want to see the broken mended. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see the hurting, see the hurting revived. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see depression lift. I want to see your power in ways that I've never seen before. I'm asking God that you will use me in the little things, medium things, and maybe even the big things, by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.